Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here, to worship together, and have the Spirit minister to our heart. And now our heart has certainly been prepared tonight from all this good singing and choir and the Brother Philip, your family uh, and the girls. Our heart is prepared uh, for the Word of God, be fed the Word. We'll move over in a little while and, and uh, we'll feed in the fellowship hall. But the most important thing tonight is what's happening right here, Amen. Uh, right now. And so may our ears be open and our heart receptive and our feet obedient uh, to what uh, the Lord would say to the church's people. Brother Philip, you come and do whatever God lays on your heart. Amen. Love you, preacher. Thank the Lord for the invitation tonight. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a clue what I'm doing up here. Amen? I thought I had it all figured out until we got to the prayer room and God began to change it all. Amen? So uh, it, uh, it'll work out the way God wants it to. You say, well, how's that? Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't come with a steering wheel. God didn't develop me with a steering wheel. He's in control. God never used anything in His book that had a steering wheel. He had to be in control of everything. Amen? Amen. As you stand your feet tonight, I want you to shake hands with your neighbor. Maybe, uh, maybe fellowship with them for just a minute. If, if, if you got an enemy, go, go hug their neck. Amen? Go hug their neck. Amen? Make it up. Be sure everything's all right. I appreciate that song. Amen. Oh God. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Take your Bibles tonight and turn them with me to Genesis chapter number eleven. Genesis chapter number eleven. This is what the Lord laid on my heart. You be seated as I read this section of scripture. I want to read one more before you as you're turning. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 says this word. Yeah, I know I told you to turn to Genesis, but just hold your place right there. Paul said in my speech, in my preaching, was not with enticing words. Not of enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. Let's pray this, this evening. Father, I'm so tired, Lord. I'm so tired of this modern, upbeat state of Lord God worship, of what people call true worship, Lord. God, it's full of just man's ideas, and Lord God, it's just full of man's ways, and God, I just pray tonight. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, so we can come off the road, Lord God, to a little old country church, God. And still believes that your power is the truth. Still believes that the convicting power is what saves man. God, I just pray tonight, Lord God, that you give us the help that we need. In this time, Lord God, that we're here, I pray that you just lead us and guide us through the scriptures this evening, Father. And Lord God, you do the drawing. And God, I just follow whatever you say. That's what I'll do. And we love you in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Genesis chapter number 11, verse number 1 says this. And I want to remind you that the author is not confused. The author of this book today is not confused. The author of this book is still in control and he knows what he's doing. We just need to trust him, amen? 
The Bible says in, uh, in chapter number 11, verse number 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. This took place right after Noah and his sons got off the ark. Uh, a few days had passed, I guess maybe, maybe a couple years had passed uh, since they got off the ark. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. That's problem number one. Amen. God don't want us to dwell. God wants us to follow His leadership. And they, and they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had the brick for stone, and, the, and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city, and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name. Let us weave. Be scattered, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. I want to show you a picture today. As I, as I looked at this section of Scripture, I want to remind you of what took place. It's happened after the flood. They get off the boat. One of my professors said it this way. He said, there's one thing that Noah and his sons got off the ark knowing. He said they got off with knowledge of the way that the world was before the reason why that the flood came was because of the wickedness of mankind. The reason why that God sent the flood, the whole purpose of the flood, was to, to clean the earth up and to get rid of this wickedness. And the Bible says God found, or Noah, excuse me, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Yes. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Noah built an ark. Now listen, it was for the salvation of these eight people, the family of Noah. But there's one thing that they got off of the ark. They got off with the knowledge of the past and how it was. And you know what? We're, we're man. We are so sinful. We're so much like our, our father Adam. We're so much. I tell you, you try to get close to God. The closer you try to get to God, the worse the devil's going to fight you. I tell you, listen. If you've got a spirit of revival, don't tell the devil about it. If you're having a revival, don't tell the devil about it. He'll come wreck it. Yes. He'll wreck it. He'll tear it all apart. And I want to tell you something. They got off with knowledge. And they knew what the life was before. And we see this. Now look. God is not confused. He wanted Noah and his sons to go into, uh, go into the whole earth to replenish the earth. He wanted them to, to continuously grow and to go out. But they didn't do that. The intention was not that they stayed in one place. Replenish and multiply the earth. Uh, chapter number 9, verse number 1 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. But they were determined to dwell. They were determined to dwell in comfort. Boy, how many of us get that way? Oh, we'll get to going for God. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be reminded of something that we've said, a testimony that we've done, a prayer that we've, we've prayed, and then God answered, and God moved, and, and boy, look at this meeting that I've had, or look at this person that I've led to the Lord, and then all of a sudden we begin to dwell. Let me remind you, that there's people going to hell. Let me remind you that God don't want your stale potato chips. God wants freshness. God don't need a church that's 30 or 50 years old. God needs a church that's alive and well. 
God needs a church that's going to be obedient. God needs a church that's got His heart. Oh, it burns me so. You go places and there's such a coldness. There's such a coldness in the congregation. There's such a coldness in the house. And they don't understand what's wrong. They've dwelt. They've got comfortable. They've quit letting God move. They've quit letting God have His will and His way. Oh, I don't want to get stale. I want to say this, it's not your way. At the end of this thing, folks, listen to me. At the end of this road, when you finish this life, God's not going to say, well, how did you get it done? Did your way work? He's not concerned in your way. He's concerned with His way. I want to tell you something today, and it burned my soul so badly. I had a Sunday school teacher, and I watched him today, just today. And I, I don't want to—I don't want to—I want you to think nothing bad, okay? I watched him get on a motorcycle today and ride off, and I thought, my goodness, I used to be like that. I was just like that. There for a while in my in my walk with God, I was just so complacent. I didn't have a burden. I lost the desire to do anything for God. And I'd get on my motorcycle and ride on Sunday evening and not think anything about it. There's people going to hell. Do you know that probably somebody in your family is going to hell? Do you realize somebody in your neighborhood is going to go to hell? Do you realize that there's somebody in this church tonight that is going to reject Jesus and probably no doubt go to hell after giving the warning after being told the gospel, after being told that He loves you and that you don't have to go, and you're, you're such concerned about your way that you're going to do it your way anyhow. Friend, you don't have to go. God loves you. God's not confused. We are. Listen, I want to say this. Look at verse number 3. Determined to build it their way. Look at verse 3. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick. Notice that six times in these couple of verses, six times, he keeps saying this same thing over and over again. Let us. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it our way. It doesn't matter what God wants. We're going to do it our way. Notice the materials that they used to build this building. What we're talking about is the Tower of Babel. It was a place where they were going to build this tower to heaven. They had made it up in their mind that they were, this is going to be the most magnificent building that's ever been built by man. And they were going to build it to, to eternity. They was going to build it to heaven. They was going to build it to be the tallest building that there ever has been. And God said, no, that's not my way. They built it with bricks. Do you not understand? That's what men are doing today in churches. Listen, you don't know what you've got here. Guys, you don't know. You don't have a clue what you've got here. Some of you young people, you don't have a clue what you've got here. You don't know what's out there. I want to tell you something. They're building these ministries and they're putting things on it. with a, All it is is a disco ball with a bar in it. And they just took out the alcohol. Some of them seem to be using alcohol today, Amen. 
Listen, all it is is a draw. It's like you guys going fishing. All they're doing is putting lures on to get people to come to church. All it is is a big lure. They want you to feel comfortable in the house of God. I know that you don't know what I'm talking about. I know that you may not have the concern that I do, but I tell you, I've got a burden. Because I see churches enormous in size and they don't have one thing that offers man peace and hope in their life. They don't even have one thing that offers them eternal security in the Lord. All it is is man-made religion. All it is is man-made ministries. All it is is man-made music. And it's not been inspired by God. You don't know what you have here. Listen, they built it with bricks. Bricks were made out of clay. They set it out in the sun and the bricks dried. All it was was a man-made invention. All it was was man-made. God makes stones. If you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see this. You'll see it so clearly. Every single time Jacob went, all of the Moses, Abraham, they all went and whenever they met with God, they built an altar. And they built it out of stone. They built it out of something that was God made. Listen, you can have all of this junk in the world today. Just give me Jesus and a demonstration of the power of God. I want to tell you something. For nearly four weeks and still today, I'm seeing God move in such a miraculous way. And I am so torn up. I am so sick of the way that things used to be. I'm so sick of myself. I'm so sick of the way that I was. I don't ever want to go back. The Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you just walk around with, a, with the attitude of I always want God's way. Well, thank you, Lord. There's three arcs in the Old Testament. Three arcs. One ark was Noah's ark. There was no rudder. The second ark was made by Moses' mother. And she placed a little child in the basket and he floated down the river. No rudder. No way to steer. No way to control. The third ark was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was placed in the Holy of Holies. And once again, no rudder. You see, they had to take the ark wherever the cloud was. They had to take the ark wherever the fire was. They were guided by God all the time. And you want to build a ministry based on your ideas. It will not work. It has to be guided by God. I want to say this. We can stand in our pulpits and preach all day long and give you essays after essays. I can stand and give you outline after outline. That's powerless. (laughs) Without the help of the Holy Ghost of God, without the unction and the power of the Lord, nobody will be saved. You don't understand. God's not confused. We are. Oh, God. You just think that it's my fault that somebody don't get saved. Have you ever stopped to think about that you might be a stumbling block instead of a building block? Have you ever stopped and think that you might just be an old stale potato chip and you don't have a burden whatsoever for anybody that's around you? Oh God, 
God needs to help us. God needs to touch us. I'm so tired of man-made religion. You'll always see it. They'll stand out and say, look at our church. Why don't you come to the church building? They'll they'll always stand and say, look at what we've done. (laughs) Look what he's done. Lord God, when you leave the message of the cross of Calvary, when you're so embarrassed to do the Lord's communion inside the sanctuary, there's something wrong. Afraid that you're going to offend somebody. There's something wrong with that picture when the blood of Jesus Christ was the atoning price for our sins. There's something wrong with that picture, amen. If you're going to be ashamed, He'll be ashamed of you. Oh, that made religion. Listen, falling values. Falling values in the house of God. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? It's become like the Walmart idea, church has. Falling values. Just come anyway. Just do any old thing. It doesn't matter. You can live any old lifestyle and be considered a Christian these days. It's just man-made religion. Listen to me. I've seen alcoholics in the last little bit. Last Sunday night, I seen a man standing in the altar and he stood up. And I said, did you get it? He said, I caught it. Lord, I'm about to blow up here, amen. Oh, God. One week before that, we was in the altar praying to God that he'd get saved. He came down the aisle. He got the altar and he began to pray. And he stood up and he said, I was a womanizer. He said, I was an alcoholic. He said, I was a drug addict. But I got saved tonight. He didn't go to rehab. He ain't been to rehab. That's what I'm talking about. The power of the gospel does it. It's a demonstration of the power of God. It's not man-made. It's God. I know that there's chicken on the table, but listen to me. (laughs) This modern counseling movement. Somebody gets in trouble at school, somebody gets in trouble somewhere, the first thing they do is say, it's probably mom and dad's fault. It's probably someone else's fault. I'm sure it's not your fault. Oh, I'm sure that you would never do anything like that. They're never teaching them to be responsible for their actions. Oh, God. Listen to me very clearly. This is not about me. It's not about you. You understand what I'm talking about? This, none of this is about you. None of this is about you. None of this song service is about you. Praying is not about you. It's not what it's about. It's about him. Whatever happens to Philip Youngblood happens because God wants him to do something. God wants to change my life. 
And if I keep going, God, I like the car. God, I like the house. God, I like my things. God, you can't have all of it. Give me a little. What's happened to the John the Baptist? What's happened to us, church, really? What's happened to us? Oh, John, when Jesus came to the river, John said, I can't baptize you. I have need to be baptized, Jesus. I can't baptize the Master. I can't baptize you, Jesus. You're the one and only. God said, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to loosen this shoe latchet. I'm not, I'm not worthy to do that, Jesus. I'm not even worthy to do that. John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease. I've thought about this so many times. I said, God, John, John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease. What does that mean? John said, I'm tired of my old attitude. I need to decrease. John said, I'm tired of the amusements that I used to do in this life. I need to decrease. John said, I've yelled at my mama. I've yelled at my daddy. <laughs> and I'm not demonstrating the characteristics of Christ. I need to decrease. John decreased all the way down to prison for the cause of Christ. John decreased all the way to the point of beheading for the cause of Christ. John decreased to the point to where there was nothing left of him but Jesus Christ. And Jesus said there's none been greater than John the Baptist. Listen to me, church. If God has to take this whole body out of the way for people to see Jesus, it's worth it. If God has to remove me from the sea, it is worth it so that people can see Jesus. People's not looking for fanfare anymore. They're looking for something that's real. And if you'll just keep praying... If you just keep seeking God's face, if you just keep doing what's real and what's right with God, if you just start pleasing the Lord, I want to tell you, people will come. Amen? They will come. You say, why? Because they're getting help spiritually. They decided to do it their way. They said, let us make brick. Let's burn them thoroughly. Let us build. Let us build a city. Let us do this. Let us be, lest we be scattered abroad. The one thing that they were afraid of happening was that they was going to be scattered abroad. And that's the one thing that, that was the one thing that happened to them. The very thing that they thought was going to keep them together, keep them in unity, was the one thing that got them to be scattered across the world. Listen, in other words, we're going to do it our way instead of God's way. Maybe that's the way that you set up your household. It doesn't matter how I live at home. We're going to do it our way. I want to tell you a story. Something that happened to us at church. It's still happening today. 
We were in the middle of a revival, and I thought it was so strange. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is strange sometimes. The Holy Spirit can do things that's just strange. You think, what in the world, you know? Preacher came and brought a trash can and set it on the altar, and I thought, that's strange. He started preaching about, hey, that you cannot have the Holy Spirit at church until you get right with God and you get walls built at home first. You've got to build walls around yourself and build walls around your home and build walls around your church. If not, Satan's going to beat you to death. You know, Satan works like this. He plants a seed and then he grows and then it's all over the place. So, he said, look, if you've got something in your home that you feel like is going to be offensive to the Holy Spirit of God, bag it up and drop it in the can. Well, there's some people got a burden about it and we was praying every night. And they said, that's not going to be big enough. They brought a dumpster out there. And they started piling stuff in the dumpster. God began to move. And God still doing the work. Listen, you know what the biggest fear? He said, preacher, y'all had a great revival. You know what the biggest fear is for me? The biggest fear is that it's going to end. You realize the statistics of churches that have great movements of God, the statistics are this. They end up being a church that's dead as a doornail. 10 to 20 years down the road, they end up falling away and they're the deadest church in town. I don't want to be like that. Listen, God doesn't operate that way. God is designed, it's not, it's not so much a revival or a movement of God, it's a movement of, of the Lord in your life and letting God have it. It's not just for a week, it's not for a day, it's not for just Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. It's a lifestyle. I'm so tired of man-made religion. They said, let's build. And so they decided to build. And then all of a sudden, their fascinating attraction, their draw to get people to come was stopped. And I promise you, it's going to happen again. Churches are afraid to identify themselves. We've got places that don't even look like a church no more. Thank God when I pulled up in the parking lot, the first thing I seen was that steeple sticking up in the air. You're identified as a church on the hill. You, you drive into the places, it looks just like a business park. Can't tell whether it's a church or not. Well, we have to be appealing to every person. I don't see nothing wrong with a steeple. I don't see nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. I don't see nothing wrong with the cross of Calvary. It worked for me, why won't it work for them? Man-made ideas will never work. I tell you what will work. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Fascinating attraction. There, I went to this. I I didn't go to it actually. I heard about it from a fellow. He was. I was running a machine at work before I was pastoring. I had this. Biker's Day at their church. I said, well, that's good. I bet there's a lot of people showed up. He said, yes. Barbecue dinner, the whole nine, nine yards. 
a biker down at the church. He said, I said, well, there's a lot of people show. He said, hundreds. I said, well, who preached? He said, nobody. I said, what? He said, nobody. I said, why not? And he said, well, we thought it might be offensive to him. So you're telling me that you'd rather see hundreds of bikers go to hell than tell them about Jesus Christ? What in the world? Church paying money. Paid money to have barbecue dinner. Hundreds of bikers showed up and nobody told them about Jesus. Man-made religion. Listen to me. We're scared. We're afraid that we're going to be offensive. I want to tell you something. The cross of the cost of Calvary, the Word of God, was offensive the night that I got saved. And boy, the Holy Spirit of God began to drill into my soul. And I didn't like it. It hurt. But glory to God, it got me up. And I tell you, there's something about the Holy Spirit of God begin to do that tug. Anybody ever experienced that? couple of you have. Anybody ever experienced that? That tug? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, that little pull that the Holy Spirit says, i got something better for you. You've wasted your life on, on the world, but i got something better for you. And when you got saved, you knew it, didn't you? Every single time, that there's a move of God. You know what happens? People that thought they were saved get saved. Church, I don't know if you do this, but you be very careful about signing up for religion. Come on down here and sign this card. you get into heaven this way. I don't know if y'all do that. You better let the Holy Ghost of God do it. Amen? When somebody steps out the aisle and they're, they got tears in their eyes, and boy, the Holy Spirit of God's dealing with them. And they're white-knuckling the pews back there. I guarantee you the Holy Ghost of God's dealing with them. And when they walk down there, you ain't got to say a whole lot. All you got to do is just show them the Bible right there and say, would you like to be saved? And I tell you, they'll say, glory God. I've tried it my way long enough. I think I'll try it. Then God steps in. And you'll see them turn around with a tear in their eye. And the next thing you'll see is some fruit. Are you listening to me? If they walk out that door and they never come back, they ain't never been saved. Amen? But son, all of a sudden you'll see some fruit. You say, why, why do you say that, preacher? Because the Holy Ghost just took up residence in them. Amen? The light came on. You ever been in a dark room? I might as well just close. Ain't nobody listening to this. Y'all ever been in the dark room? Amen. Y'all got to help me, man. I tell you, if y'all don't help me, I'll just preach all night. Whenever you turn the light on, you know it, don't you? That's what happens when you get saved. Glory to God, you come down and ask Jesus to save you. All of a sudden, the light comes on. Then you get saved and man, it just all changes. Listen to this. There's only one way. Let me make it simple. John 14, 6. Jesus said this. 
It's just, I am the way. You can't do it any other way. You can't crawl up in heaven. You can't get into heaven on your own. There ain't nothing you can do. You ain't good enough to get into heaven. On your best day, you ain't nothing but just a rotten, dirty sinner. But you see, you know what? I got to think about this. Y'all all right? You okay? What time is it? I got a thing about this. I'm just going to have a good time. You people seem like my type. Amen. I've been doing a study on the, old ta- on the tabernacle. And I, I really, the Lord is just amazing. I, I love how God just shows you stuff, you know. The Lord said, you're a tabernacle too, son. I said, what are you talking about now? He said, well, there's, there, there's three places, main places in the tabernacle. There's the outer court. There's the inner court where the priest goes and deals those things. Table show bread, you know, candlestick, incense altar. But then there's the most holy place. The holy of holies. I said, well, God, I ain't nothing but a bunch of filthy rags. God, I, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. He said, no, you might be, but I ain't. You see, this is the old outer court. Anybody can come out here, amen. Sinners, anybody can come to the outer court right here in this old body. But everybody's got a soul too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Everybody's got a soul. Yeah. And so this is what happens, you see. In the inner court, the priest begins to do a work. <laughs> I'm about to take off running. In the inner court, the priest begins to do a work. There's a table there called the table of showbread. <laughs> the bread of life. Boy, Jesus said. And whenever you start being fascinated by the things of God, maybe you showed up for church one Sunday, Brother David's up preaching hard, amen, and you were introduced to the bread. <laughs> and the, the minister begins to do a little work there, you see. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's 12 cakes on that, on that table and two stacks of six. 66 books in our Bible. Six and six. 66. And the Lord in the tabernacle. That's in the Old Testament. Amen. Ain't that good? 66. The bread of life. He start ministering to you with the Word of God. The bread of life. He start telling you about Jesus. And something begins to take place. Then He starts telling you about that light. He's the only light. He's the only light. You'll never find any... Any light anywhere else in this world that'll please you. you. Listen, you can't be satisfied with the things of this world. You'll always come up empty. There's not a drug big enough. You'll never shoot yourself up enough to get you to this high. Amen. Hey, I got something. Listen on Sunday night. It still was good Monday morning. Amen. It's still good Monday morning. No drunk will wear off. Amen. The old drug will wear off, but Jesus ain't wore off yet. Amen. And here I am. I'm still a still preaching the Word of God, and it's still just faithful and true as always being, amen. It's still good. You know why? Because the light's there. Then you got that incense altar. Your potpourri stand, amen. Smells good. There's something just attracting about the things of God. And then, I was talking about that inner court. I kind of got off. That inner court priest was doing the work and then one day you step out and say you know what 
I'm sick and tired of this life. There's something about the bread. There's something about the light. Boy, there's something about that incense altar. There's something that's just coming up and welded up inside of me. I, I think I'll just make a march. I think I'll just make a move. I think I'll just call the preacher and see if we can't pray. I think if I, I just get with somebody, let them tell me how to be saved. Amen. And all of a sudden, you just kneel down and you start crying out to God and ask Jesus to be your Savior. And guess what? All of a sudden, a high priest takes over. And he goes into the most holy place. <laughs> and you can commune with him at any time. <laughs> Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Amen, right? Two cherubims. And that's where God dwelt. And I got to think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said the bell of the temple was ripped from top to bottom, four, four inch thick, amen. It was ripped from top to bottom. God did it. God ripped it. That tabernacle ain't no good no more. He's dealing in this tabernacle now, amen. When I got saved, the Holy of Holies come right here, amen. Boy, I tell you, you say, well, how do you know? Because the blood's there, amen? The blood's been applied. Now every time God looks at me, all he sees is his son, Jesus. You say, how do you know? Because the Holy Spirit testifies for me. And the Holy Spirit witnesses to me. How many of you have ever been to Calvary? Literally. Y'all have ever been? I mean, how many of you have ever been to the empty tomb? You've actually went to the Holy Land and been to the empty tomb? Wait a minute. Some of you ain't never been there. Hey, how many was there when Jesus was crucified? I mean, literally. Nobody in the house is testifying. I had never been there either. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Ghost of God had been there. And He came to where I was at that night when I got saved. Amen. All right, glory to God. I ain't got about... About probably two more hours, amen? Listen, I'd rather for everybody to get up and leave than, than to quit preaching the blood. I, I, I tell you, my church congregation could get up and all leave and go back, but I tell you, I won't quit preaching on the blood. I ain't quitting preaching on the cross. I'm not going to quit preaching on Jesus. If everybody in the house of God gets offended, I'm just going to stick with the stuff, amen? I tell you, we need to be decide, uh, make it up in our minds that we just need to stick with the stuff, stick with what works. It worked for our granddaddies, it didn't work for us, amen? As you stand to your feet tonight, we appreciate you coming to the house of God. I want to say this, God is not confused, amen? As you bow your heads in prayer for just a moment, I want to tell you, their way was destroyed. Their way was annihilated. Their way was stopped by God. I tell you, this modern movement of religion will stop too. Amen. You say, how's it going to stop when Jesus comes? He's going to be fed up with it. He's had enough of it. And I tell you, all it is is just imageries and, and mirrors. That's all it is. It's just for a way of Satan to confuse the nation. Satan to confuse people. You say, what do we need to do? I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to rise and we need to come and we need to fall before the Almighty Lamb of God. And we need to praise Him like He needs to be praised. We need to get a burden, church. We need to get on, on our knees before God and say, Oh God, I'm not moving until you, until you do something for my lost loved one. God, I'm not moving until you send revival to my church. God, I need you so much to, to, to do a work in my home.
Listen, if there's no difference in you today than the day that you got saved, there's something wrong, you became a stale potato chip. God don't want you to be a stale potato chip. He wants you to be crisp in the things of God. I'm tired of man-made religion. I want to see the Holy Spirit and demonstration of the power of God and let's pray until He comes. Will there be anybody in here in the house of God tonight that say, Preacher, I'm tired of it too. I want to burn. I want to see my lost friends saved. I want to see. Why don't you come? If you're sick of the way you're living, if you're tired of the way that you've been doing, if you want to see God do something in your life, get out of God's way and let Him do it. How many of us has actually been changed since the day that you got saved? God is not confused. We are. For God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches and saints. Listen, my heart is hurting. After I see churches closing their doors because they've lost the fire. It can happen here. You cannot lose the burden. You cannot leave the message. It can happen here. Don't get to the point in your life to where that you, you walk away. There's such a coldness in the land. Don't become cold in the things of God. Stay in the attitude of revival. Stay in the attitude that God's going to sharpen me. God's going to help me to be the one that I need to be for Him. Listen, young people. We need some men and women of God that are going to just totally dedicate and sell out and be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. You're going to be ridiculed just like Jesus was. But if you just stay faithful to God, if you just get down and pray, if you just read this Word, I promise you God will use you. Listen, all I am is a vessel. All I am is a vessel that is to be poured in and poured out. That's all I am. I'm just a vessel. I wonder would you let God use you today? God's not interested in what kind of title you can obtain. God's not concerned with you being big preacher or little preacher. That's not what God is concerned about. God's only concerned with that one who is totally committed to Him. God needs you. He needs a people. He needs a voice. He needs somebody to rise and say, Hey, I want to be that person. I want to be that one that's totally submitted to the Lord. I want to be the one that, that falls before God at breakfast time. I want to be the one that falls before God at lunchtime. I want to be the one that falls before God at nighttime, crying out to, and asking Him to save my lost sinners, and my lost friends. God's not interested in how you preach or how it sounds or how it comes out. He's only interested in this. He's interested in a pure heart. Would you have that pure heart today? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for allowing us to come and to preach from our heart today. God, I pray, Father, Lord Jesus. God, You're not confused. We are. God, we've been surrounded by this stuff for so long, we don't even know what's real anymore. And I'm asking You, Father, to touch it again, God. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us where we failed you. Forgive us for trying to put our ideas in things that don't work. Help us and use us to get this message out, Father. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.